Hello and welcome to Inside Out, the podcast where we redefine success with entrepreneurs and other badass millennials. I'm your host, Jane Z. Today's episode is a little bit different. Today, Kevin Allen and I are co-hosting the show. Kevin is a fellow podcaster, as well as a musician, a teacher, and he makes YouTube tutorials about producing music. We met randomly on Instagram through our mutual love for the one and only How I Built This with Guy Raz. And we thought it'd be fun to do an episode together to share our journeys and reflections on podcasting so far. We discuss the perks and pitfalls of a career in content, but before that, we take turns interviewing each other about our life stories. In the first chunk of the show, you'll get to know Kevin as a pianist and a middle school teacher. Then you'll hear some fun facts about me I haven't shared before, like which fictional character I'd go out for brunch with, and how I was possibly the best Santa Claus ever. And towards the end, we open up about how we approach social media without getting too overwhelmed and what it means to bring your whole self to work. If you enjoy this episode, I would love if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and give this show a five-star rating. You can find me, Jane Z, on Instagram at Inside Out with Jane. All right, enjoy the show. How's it going, Kevin? I'm feeling great. I'm excited to be here today. I think this is a new experience for both of us to be in both the interviewer and interviewee seats. So Definitely. it'll be fun. So yeah, we'll start off getting to know you first and then we'll switch seats. And then at the end, we'll kind of talk about our experiences as content creators and our thoughts so far. Getting to know Chordmaster. Let's talk music. It's It seems to be your big passion in life. How did that enter your life You know, early on? And, and who are some of the artists that inspire you? When I was really young, I recall being able to play the keys by air. You know, I hear a simple melody and I can kind of figure out how to how to replicate it. One of my most memorable Christmas gifts was a Yamaha 61 key uh, keyboard, which I believe my parents still have in the shed. I probably should go over there and like try to uncover that and like connect it. And that'll be like a fun <laughs> unboxing sort of video for my channel. But I, I remember just really loving being able to create music as simple as that may sound. So in sixth grade, my, my parents signed me up for piano lessons. Then I did uh, one recital. There was a Russian etude. But after that ended in sixth grade, I asked my parents if I can take the summer off and sign back up in the fall. Story goes, I never did. And then, you know, life happens and just kind of did other things like play pranks with my brothers and sisters and did great in math and did engineering and did all this stuff. And then um, sort of got back into it a little bit in my late teens. I got a, a better keyboard and I did some more music producing type things at that point and then stopped for a long while. And then as I approached my 30th birthday is when I really was like, I want to get back into playing the piano and learning it the proper way. So I literally found the same exact piano book that I used when I was in sixth grade, which like the physical actual one I still have in my closet there. I went through that entire book did some YouTube lessons, did a lot of reading, signed up for piano lessons actually with a person and did a couple of years of that. And now it comes to the point where it's just so much fun. When I was um, learning a classical song by Bach on the piano, I decided to try to play it with my eyes closed because instead of looking down at the keys, I want to see how well I know this song. So I close my eyes. I start playing. I'm like, wow, I can actually play this quite well. Like I pretty mm. much know it from muscle memory. But it's dun, 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 So I'm playing that mm. song. Mm -hmm. And as I'm playing it, I felt Jane like 
I was floating off of the stool that I was sitting on. I felt like I was not sitting there. I felt like like mm, I was playing well. it and I was just like hovering above the piano. And the best way I can describe it is like I was literally being lifted up and like I'm like reaching down to play it. It felt like I'm hovering above the piano. It was crazy. Whoa. Wasn't taking any drugs, nothing crazy like that. No <laughs> drinking, no nothing. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is this is incredible. I, so I do a little bit of research and I find out that a pretty significant part of your brain is being used to process everything you see. And so when you're playing and your eyes are open, a, a big part of your brain is like processing what you're seeing as you're playing. When your eyes are closed, there's nothing that you can see. It's all black. So like that part of your brain is opened up to do these crazy other things musically when you're into it like that. And it was a profound moment for me where I, I had some great clarity on what to do with information like that based on the fact that I have a YouTube channel, I have a presence, I have an audience um, and how to share that type of information. Maybe I'll unveil it now. I'm going to have a new series called Chordmaster Keys, which is going to be very much for music producers slash pianists or keyboardists. And it's going to have little segments, kind of like what I just shared with you just now. And um, I'm really excited about being able to share these types of findings with people. Mm -hmm. When you were talking about playing by ear as a kid, I immediately thought of Corey Henry. I don't know if you listen to his stuff, but I don't know. Oh my God. He's amazing. He's amazing keyboardist. I guess gospel funk would be the genre. Wow. But there's a video of him at like five years old where he just improvs, like plays this whole thing. And it's, it's wild, like how naturally it can come to you. And then the 180 of that is my own experience with learning piano was like very much super regimented. Maybe I should try playing with my eyes closed. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? It's worth, it's worth a shot. I love that you're also a teacher because your passion for music and the way you think about it is infectious. And I wonder if you could talk about your approach to teaching in music, but also with math, you know, do you start out by hooking your students in with some sort of like personal way to understand the subject before kind of breaking down the technical or how do you think about these things as a teacher? So before I answer that, I'm going to just throw out there. I just remember I I didn't say one thing about the previous question, which was musical influences. So Tyler, the Mm -hmm. creator is one of my huge musical influences. Kanye West is Um, those probably are my top two in terms of like stuff that I feel like my music sounds like, and it's, it's very much inspired by. And then back to teaching, man, what, what an experience teaching was, Jane, what an experience, two short years. I didn't know that it was going to be only two years. I knew it wasn't going to be retiring as a teacher. I knew that, but I didn't know it was just going to be two years. I thought maybe five, but COVID happened and that very much accelerated things for me in two ways. One, it made what was the best year working professionally, the pre-COVID best year out of anything from the eighth grade faculty basketball game to the ugly sweater contest before, you know, Christmas break when everyone, students and teachers are all just so excited about, you know, that time right before Christmas break. And we had a big assembly to the fact that I had a chance to play the piano in front of the whole school during the Martin Luther King assembly where they asked me to do it. And I was so nervous at the time. I was like, I don't play in front of people like that, you know, (laughs) but I did. And it was incredible experience. And I got even a little bit emotional because during that same assembly, we had some kids in the school that gave speeches and spoke about MLK and spoke about racial injustice and that type of thing. And Mm. it was just incredible. 
and there, there's there's a whole lot of different things in terms of you know the experiences that I had at the school. Um, you know, certain kids that you want to watch out for. Okay, may, oh, you have him in your class or her in your class. Make sure you don't sit these two next to each other because they're just going to derail the class and this and that. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of that. But then fast forward as the year goes on, I start at start getting to know the kid and understand a little bit about why he or she is is acting this way. And then by the end of the year, you know, we're tight. And in terms of, I guess, my teaching style, you know, delivery, whether it's in person teaching as a teacher or my tutoring business now, or even with piano lessons, is very much I try to balance doing what I can to make sure that the students are enjoying themselves, coupled with doing what I can to make sure that the students are learning. I believe that those are just the two most important things and making sure that the students understand that you, especially in the classroom setting, like you respect them, right? Back and forth. And yeah, it was just really those two things, just making sure that students felt comfortable asking questions. Like one of the things in my tutoring business now that I love is the fact that when I'm first getting to know the, the student, they're a little bit hesitant to maybe ask questions. But as time goes on, you know, weeks go on and we have more and more sessions and we get to know each other. The kids are really looking forward to the sessions. And that is it right there for me, right? It's like, I know that they're learning because I know exactly the curriculum that we're going over. But I also know that it would be a hard sell for parents to have to weekly get their student on board with coming to the session if the kids are just like, no, I don't want to go. It's like, you don't want to have that sort of battle. So I know that it's important for it to be somewhat fun and relaxed, but also that they're getting the knowledge. So you're a busy guy, chord master. You've got your music stuff, you've got your tutoring business, and you also host a podcast. As a podcaster, I'm very curious who have been your favorite interviews so far, besides me, of course. Besides you. Yeah, man. So there's been a lot of great ones. A few that stick out to me would be, you know, having my best friend on as an in-person conversation, literally sitting on the couch and picking topics out of a hat and just having that conversation. It was like probably a three hour chat that we had, but I, so I ended up doing two, two different parts to that. I knew that this is going to be special because we are later going to be able to look back at this and have like a sense of nostalgia and like enjoy rewatching us talk to each other. And I'm sure our friends and stuff could find value and enjoy it as well. Another really nice one was I had a chance to interview a celebrity chef. She cooks for Carmelo Anthony, basketball player. And, mm. you know, just talking to her about her experience, what got her there. She actually went to high school with me. And then several people in the in the music space. One of them is the is the sole developer of one of my most used music app called Koala Sampler on the iPad. The the creator of that app I was able to have on, and just a great guy. We did a live premiere on that one, so it was just really really fun there. Um, my video editing creator for Luma Fusion on my iPad. I had a chance to talk to the the co founder of that company, which was, again, all these people that I don't know much about, but I use their app getting a chance to talk to them and see what they're like and understand like what that process was like. It was just incredible to kind of hear from her. Just a very, very sweet lady. Um, teenage engineering OPZ. I had, had the, one of the key people from that team on as well. It's a device that I use to make music, a portable device, very small, extremely powerful battery operated, and you can make like CD quality stuff on there, which is really great. Um, I'm probably missing a lot of people. My wife, of course, we did a green smoothie challenge mm. and um, we had a, a, a episode that we recorded. I think it was the last day of the 10 day challenge where we had smoothies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
And just talking about what that experience was like was really interesting and, and fun. And pretty much everyone else as well was also a great episode. But those are just a few <laughs> that I'll mention. Check out klexperience.com. Check me out on Court Master for the entire catalog. Not to be confused with kale, which you would put in a green smoothie. That's a fact. That is a fact. Excellent. <laughs> Love it. That's that's our little inside joke there that we chatted about, right? When we first met each other on Instagram. I thought Cal Experience is actually <laughs> Kale Experience. <laughs> kale Experience. Yep. I'm going to do something with that eventually. Well, thank you for taking us down memory lane. It's great to get to know you a little bit and all the different universes that you move in. Well, thank you for the questions. So boys and girls, now we're going to turn the tables and I'm going to wear the interviewer hat right now. But before we do that, I just have to let you know, Jane, that when I was telling my wife, I said, yeah, I'm having a conversation with Jane Z. The first time I said it, she was like, Jay-Z? She thought I said Jay-Z. <laughs> and then, like, I think earlier today, I said, oh, yeah, 12 o'clock today. I have the, you know, conversation with Jane z today. And then she, she immediately, like, thought it again. Like, Jay-Z, it just sounds <laughs> like it. I was like, no, it's not Jay-Z, it's Jane-Z, but close. <laughs> they used Pretty to call much. me Jay-Z in high school. Yeah, yeah I love did. it. Okay, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right, so I got some questions for you here. I'm They're going to be just fun, casual questions. You know, we're going to get a chance to know Jane Z out here. All right. That's what's about <laughs> to happen. So tell me about your favorite or your most memorable Christmas growing up. So the, the first thing I thought of actually was <laughs> this tree. It wasn't like a full tree, this like paper tree that my mom made. My parents and I moved to Canada when I was four. We moved from China. And mm -hmm. so it took us a while to figure out what Christmas was and what it was all about. But I think by the time the second year rolled around, we got that, you know, it was a time when you gather together and you give each other presents and things. We were a pretty low income immigrant family, so we didn't go out and buy a tree. But my mom and I, we would love doing crafts together. And so she bought a bunch of construction paper and we spent an afternoon just like cutting out a giant tree and pasting that on our wall. So that was like our kind of wow. like faux Christmas thing. Yeah. Um, over the years, we slowly upgraded. When I became an older sister to my sister and brother, it became very fun to play the Santa Claus role. I will say, and this is a fun fact for anyone that knows my sister, who's like a a little celebrity on YouTube, Generation DIY. <laughs> but she believed in Santa Claus until she was 13 years old because mm. my mom and I did such a good job at putting Whoa. out the milk and cookies and, yeah. and using different enough wrapping paper that she wouldn't get suspicious. So that was a really fun part of Christmases growing up. I love that. That's so cool. Something like that while it's happening, there's a chance that your mom doesn't realize how impactful that experience is going to be for you. Like that's something that naturally and clearly was so memorable and something that you'll probably never forget. Appreciate you sharing that. So next question is if you can go to brunch with anyone. And specifically, there's a follow-up question which says, who would you go to dinner with? And the reason I had to put the follow-up question is because brunch and dinner are going to be different people because they're a different setting, right? They're, they're One's a little more turn up, one's a little more introspective. So who would you be hanging with? The first person that popped into my head is not even a real person, but Mary <laughs> Poppins. <laughs> okay, nice. All right. That was my, my favorite movie growing up, maybe still one of my all-time faves. She is just such a character. 
She's mysterious too. You know, it's like, who's the real person behind all the uh, spit spot? Everything's neat. Uh And how does she keep her composure and be a lady, (laughs) but also that like strict parental role? I don't know. I I just love her as a figure. I don't, she'd maybe be more like an afternoon tea kind of person. (laughs) Other names that come to mind Sophia Amoruso. She's one of the entrepreneurs that I look up to. She was the founder of Nasty Gal. And then girl boss. And now she runs this business class for founders, but Mm. there's so much that I would want to pick her brain on. And, um, someone who's not with us anymore, but Anthony Bourdain would have Mm. been amazing to go out for a meal with. He's got some incredible stories also just like being able to hear his thoughts on the food itself and, Mm -hmm. and hear him describe that experience would be really cool. His story is just so interesting because no matter what is going on in our lives, it's always, first of all, important to check in on people, to not assume that everything is is all right just because it appears all right. Wow, mm-hmm. you're getting to travel. You're getting to eat anything yeah. you want. You can have a show. Like, that's like, you're good. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's other factors and stuff that I think are just so important that I'm, I'm learning not to send anyone on a guilt trip, but it's not a high level of effort to take 10 seconds out and just send that voice text, assuming they have an iPhone. If they don't have an iPhone, then, then I don't know. I don't know how likely it is to happen. Things got to change. Things might, exactly. Things might have to change because sending an actual text like that, that does take a little bit of effort. Um, Next question is a little bit about you pursuing your passion. You clearly put a lot into your, your offering, into your podcast. Like for example, something as simple as your website. Like it really uh, jumps out at me, even just the whole flow of the website where you can go there and for someone who is first hearing about you and they're like, okay, when there's a whole lot of episodes, like where do we start? Do I start from the beginning? Is the beginning going to be a stellar episode or is he or she just kind of getting into the flow? Maybe I'll jump in the middle. Do I jump to the latest? But you have what? Fan favorites. Boom. One, two, three. These are three ones that you think someone can start with and really find enjoyment and get a feel for the show with. That is fantastic. So coming from someone who was doing something different than this, and now you kind of pivoted and now you're doing something that's like you pursuing your passion. Has it been all good since you left? Has there been times where you thought to yourself, like the amount of challenge and work that it's actually presenting might be a little bit overwhelming? Like kind of talk to me a little bit about what that process is like. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for for noticing and, and appreciating my work. It helps that I have a design and marketing background. So those are things I notice a lot is, is you know, how you present your work. And for mm-hmm. a podcast, I still think of it as a visual medium. I think I read this in an Ira Glass comic book once that radio is a visual medium because as you're listening, you still conjure images in your mind. And so for me, that's why Instagram is such an important channel because it allows me to create visuals to complement the stories that you're listening to. Yeah. In terms of actually doing this work, I'm just so, so grateful. I I get to have conversations like this every day, every week with really Mm -hmm. interesting people. And then I get to make connections, real relationships with people who are similarly going through this journey of figuring out how to balance career and life. How do you define work and passion? And how do you build a more meaningful life? And I use the word build in a conscious way because I do think it is an active choice. It takes work to to find uh, a life that is meaningful. It's 
a little bit cliche, but I think that's what we all want, right? Is to find more purpose and meaning out of our lives. Um, so that's kind of the mm -hmm. why behind Inside Out. And also what you mentioned a couple minutes ago, just because things look okay on the outside doesn't mean they are on the inside. And that's a lesson I learned when I was shutting down my last venture is, you know, it's very easy to appear successful or okay through social media and through these outer means, but mental health is so, so important, whether you communicate about that or not. Mm. For me, I've learned that to go far in life, you really do have to take care of what's inside first. You mm. yourself have to be okay in order to give to others and to give your best self and perform well. So that's another key message in the podcast. So the fact that I get to talk to people about that is really, really rewarding. I mean, obviously it comes with challenges too, of working for yourself. You have to keep yourself accountable with content. You have to consistently show up and I don't always want to do that. You don't always yeah. want to get in front of a camera. You know, you don't always feel ready for that. I think with anyone creating content on the internet, it is a certain type of work that I think not everyone is into, especially if you're a little bit more private or you're not as social. I happen to be a very extroverted person, and so it suits my personality really well. Overall, I'm having a really good time, learning a lot, meeting really awesome people. That's probably the biggest perk is like meeting really cool people like you every week. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thank you for that compliment at the end. And also that that's such a introspective way of looking at this whole thing. The accountability part is so true as well, right? The accountability of, you know, we are answering to ourselves. And I think that it, it is so important for us to feel okay, knowing that yes, at times we do need to take a break, we do need to take a step back. And we can't and really shouldn't feel guilty or bad about that. All right, one more question. So this question is one that's very thought out because it's not what is your favorite movie and what is your favorite show of all time? Because what if you don't have one? Then mm -hmm. it's like an awkward silence. Like, uh, I don't know. And no, no. <laughs> name a movie that you love and name a show that you love. Well, movie I gave away earlier. Mary Poppins is definitely up there. Mm -hmm. um, I saw Shang-Chi recently, which was uh. really cool. I was a little n nervous going into it because my one friend had really hyped it up. She's seen it three times. She Whoa. brought us to go see it. Yeah. I was like, you know, Marvel, all Asian cast. I'm not sure how this is going to go, but yeah. I think they did a really good job of it. It's like essentially a modern Kung Fu movie. They wow. actually had some scenes in Chinese, which was like, I've never seen in a American movie theater. So that was like, whoa, like big moment. The storyline was great. The choreo was great. The music was great. So that was mm -hmm. like a recent movie I loved. Mm -hmm. And then a show I love, we watched Ozark this year. So my fiance and I have like, we alternate between like really wholesome shows like Great British Bake Off to like really dark shows like Ozark and Mr. <sighs> Robot. So Ozark was a recent one that we've really enjoyed the premise is like it's about money laundering <laughs> and mm -hmm. this guy and his family sort of like end up working with a mexican drug cartel and you just see how a normal i guess middle class family has to deal with their criminal activities and how they cover it up and try to act normal a lot of drama a lot of darkness lots of murder <laughs> it's really well done 
That's awesome. My wife has watched that show and she's spoken very highly of it, as as have many other people I've spoken to. So that might be one that I might have to kind of dabble in a little bit. Maybe yeah. when I'm taking a break from doing the interviews and t- taking some go. content in for a change rather exactly. than Exactly. It's stuff. research. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I definitely it. appreciate the info. I feel like our viewers have a great sort of grasp on who we are as people now. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. So who takes it away from here? Would you like, I, I'll take it away. I want to start just by talking about like social media. So I recently deleted all social media from my phone, oh, because, wow. but kept it on my iPad mm. because I was using it too much throughout the day, checking Instagram too much to see if I have any inboxes, checking YouTube studio way too much to mm. see how many new subscribers I have. And it's all like, I, I realized this, I think it was last year. I was going for a walk when I kind of first started my YouTube channel. I, was, I had it for about six months and I'm like going for a walk and like, you know, the swipe down thing to see any new subscribers and like the reaction, the dopamine thing. Mm-hmm. So I watched the social network and I kind of realized that I was conflicted knowing that it's not healthy, but also knowing that, Hey, social media can't just get rid of it. We're content right. creators. We have to have a presence there. So I'm kind of like figuring out, right, where, what that balance looks like. It's a constant struggle. Yeah. yeah, I think no matter how big, quote unquote, you are on social, it's it's going to be an issue. The numbers can be very anxiety inducing. So I'm in a podcast accelerator program right now. And our coach, one of his rules for us is on social, you're only going to be posting and engaging. No more consuming. You're going to unfollow or mute everyone who's not either a listener or what he calls a dream 100. So someone you want to land as a guest, like someone Mm. you want to intentionally engage with Mm -hmm. for your content, everybody else, whether it's like your friends from high school or whatever, you're going to mute or unfollow. In principle, I agree with this. However, like I said, I'm a very social person in my personal life too. So Mm -hmm. I do have my personal account and my podcast account on Instagram. That is, I do still rely on social media to stay in touch with my friends. Mm -hmm. And so I haven't been able to like completely unfollow and turn off. Now that I'm doing a lot more DMing with listeners, it feels like there's a lot more overlap in the energy I'm spending interacting with people. I find that I have a finite reserve of social energy, let's call it, that I Mm -hmm. can give to people. Yeah. And I find myself now having to choose between do I give that energy to my relationship with my followers or with the people in my real life, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so that's like the crossroads I'm at now. I like to think of most things as like not zero sum, but I think in this case, it kind of does have to be that way. And maybe it's like a seasonal thing. Like this month, I'm super charged on growing my audience and engaging with them. I had like a huge growth earlier this summer when I started curating reels and posting them. And a few of them popped off, like got over a million views. The first day that happened, my notifications were like overblown Mm because like Instagram caps it at like a hundred likes. So it was like that every time I refreshed my phone, Mm -hmm. I remember actually getting a headache that day because I was like looking at my phone so much, but I was like, oh my God, is it going to be like this forever? Have I made it? But of course, that excitement died down after a couple months. And now it's like back on the grind of a regular content posting schedule and regular engagement. My biggest struggle is like the continually showing up because I'll Mm -hmm. have like spurts where I put in a lot and then I'll be like, 
I'm burnt out and I can't do it. I think in theory, a kind of content schedule and a regular schedule would be helpful. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Having some type of schedule, looking at the things that you're, that you do in your life that are not necessarily bringing direct value. So like for me, let's say video games, right? Like I enjoy playing Super Smash Brothers online with people. I, I really love the competitive aspect of it. I love taunting a little bit. <laughs> I love taunting <laughs> other characters and they're like, it's just funny to me. Uh, but I know that I can overdo it sometimes with that. So I'm like, okay, well, how do I get control over this, right? Like, because whenever I have like a little free time and I just feel like playing, I'll just go play rather than doing my taxes or working on this Excel sheet or doing this part of business or whatever the case is. So an easy way that I kind of got control over that is I told myself that I will never play a video game two days consecutively. So if I play mm -hmm. at all today, then I won't play at all tomorrow. And that's been super helpful for me. So similarly, maybe social media, maybe there's a balance with that so that the days where I'm not, I'm still making stuff, but I'm just not looking at social. And then I was going to say the thing that your um, accelerator program coach mentioned really resonated with me too, which is that realizing that there are people that are your friends and then there are people that are your acquaintances. And I was following all of those people on my personal account. He, he has a, re a really great point because like we are not equipped to like care about what everyone is doing. You know what I'm saying? Like we're equipped to like mm -hmm. truly care about what only some people are doing who we really, truly do care about. And I had to really learn that because I'm like a people pleaser kind of person. Like it makes me happy. It makes me feel good knowing that I did something or said something to make someone happy. If I'm scrolling and I'm like, man, I haven't thought of this person in a while, but I used to be closer with them or something like that. And I look, I'm like, man, they're getting engaged or this milestone is happening in their life. Part mm -hmm. of me would feel like a little bit like, wow, why didn't I know this? Like we fell out of touch. But on the same token, like we just can't keep up with everyone. You know what I'm saying? So the idea of yeah. muting and the idea of, I mean, it might sound mean like, oh, you're unfollowing me. It's like, yeah, I am. I think it's okay. Like we can't follow everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You got to protect your energy because you only have so much to give, right? Yeah. I was going to ask about your personal brand and how you manage all of that, but it sounds like you found a solution, which is focus on the channels that you're really focused on. That's right. Focus there. Now that I have a, a foundation, just being myself, like I think I, I posted some weird stuff on my story. I think it was a video of me upside down or something. Like my phone is upside down. <laughs> I think I said something like, how is my hat? I was wearing a hat, but the video I flipped it, you know, that kind of like, how is it still on my head? Something dumb like that. Like no one's going to like, who cares about that? Like, what is that? You know? But if someone but looks at that, like, like the funny videos that like people get to know you through. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I want people that are, that are following me to get to know me more than the person who's solely focused on music and solely like there's other parts of my personality that I want to bring to the forefront a little bit. Um, what I've learned from my sister and talking to other content creators is that people come for the content and stay for the personality. So mm. I think the like ideal state is when you can bring your full self to your audience because then you don't have mm -hmm. to pretend to be somebody else, right? That's exactly right. That's it. And everyone's real or true self, unfortunately, I, I think at least, is not necessarily the personality that is going to be attractive to everyone else, if that makes sense, right? Sometimes people do need to change it around. Maybe it's food for thought and it's definitely like an interesting journey. And it's cool being able to talk to someone who is on the same wavelength 
but also kind of doing things similar. You shared a lot of great things that resonated with me in terms of the content creation journey. So I just want to say, I definitely appreciate that. Oh, thank you. And likewise, it's great to just have someone to bounce ideas with and talk about this journey with. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. I'd love to hear what you got out of this episode. Take a picture of where you're listening from and tag me on a story at Inside Out with Jane. I'll be back here next Tuesday. And in the meantime, chat with you online. Bye.